Hey everybody, how we doing? It's a Thursday night and we're on YouTube and this is Disney Planning Insights Live. Uh, I am Matt, I'm the host of Disney Planning Insights Live and we're going to do a little bit of a recap tonight of my family's trip that we took last week to Walt Disney World. Um, some of the good, some of the bad. Um, kind of go through day by day, really see what we saw and then um, what can Disney do as they decide to open up the park to more crowds and that kind of thing. What what needs to change in our eyes to make sure that they can accommodate more people? So stick with us. This is the Disney Planning Insights Podcast. Like I said before, my name's Matt. I am the host of the Disney Planning Insights podcast. Um, and if you do like today's stream, definitely hit the subscribe button, like the video for today, and give us any comments if you have any feedback or anything that you want to see in future videos. Um, we always value that input uh, very much. So, um, like I said, we are going to get into a little bit of our trip that we took last week. So, um, just as a little bit of background, we were there when the parks closed in March. This was actually the um, rest of our ticket that we had on that March trip. We had just picked the date in July, um, and it happened to coincide really, really well with the opening of the parks. So, um, so we flew down there on Wednesday night. We flew Southwest. Southwest does a great job of letting you social distance getting on the plane. Um, we fly out of Indianapolis Airport. Indianapolis Airport was completely dead, so no problem social distancing or anything like that. There were only probably 30 to 40 people on our plane. Um, everything boarding-wise, Southwest is boarding in groups of 10 instead of in groups of 30 now, so that helps out quite a bit. There's not as many people roaming around those turnstile areas um, that mark your boarding group. Um, and, you know, getting down, uh, getting on the plane went well. We ended up being in the air for quite a bit longer than we needed to be because of some lightning, um, which kind of was the first monkey wrench in our plans. Uh, we got down to Orlando International. Orlando was pretty dead when we got down there. Um, got to the Magical Express um, station. Got on the first bus that was there, but instead of being one of the big charter buses, it was a little 11 passenger Mears van. Um, so the start of the vacation was a little bit different than normal. Um, but from there, you know, we were late to getting to our first reservations. So reservations right now at most of the restaurants, you will check in around the restaurant. You won't actually go up to the host stand anymore. You can actually check in using your My Disney Experience app. So you go to your reservation. It will give you a place to begin check-in process. It will uh, make you confirm the number of people in the, your party, all that kind of stuff. And then it will check you in. We were late to our reservation. If you are late to a reservation, you actually have to talk to somebody at the host stand, which we found can be relatively difficult. Um, the guy that was actually seating tables wasn't outside at all at beaches and cream so it was it was kind of interesting to try and catch him 
We had to get our name back on the list. We had to wait for basically the next opening, which happened to be like a half hour after that. So it was an hour after our normal reservation. We actually got sat. Um, but that was that was interesting. We were actually able to take the Skyliner over there. So we stayed at Riviera. We took the Skyliner over to the backside of Epcot and walked over to Beach Club. The Skyliner runs until 1030 on most nights to Epcot. Um, that's good to know if you want to do one of those late dinners over in the beach club area, over on the boardwalk, that kind of thing. Um, it gives you some time to eat and then get back to your, um, Skyliner resort. If that's the mode of transportation that you're using, um, the Skyliner in the morning is a whole different story. If you're trying to go somewhere before the parks open, the Skyliner only opens a half hour before Hollywood studios, which is nine 30. Um, we had an 8.50 reservation at Trattoria on our last day. We couldn't even get on the Skyliner. We actually had to lift over to Boardwalk. Um, and then we could use the Disney transportation after breakfast. So it wasn't a big deal from there. So our first day in the parks, um, let's back up. Riviera, um, I'll, I'll do a full review on Riviera, but absolutely gorgeous. The location is very, very good. If you want to attack Epcot and Hollywood Studios, um, you, you do pay for it, though. We got lucky and actually ended up in an upgrade from Caribbean Beach, which wasn't open when we went down there. So, first day, we went to Magic Kingdom. Magic Kingdom hadn't sold out of all the park reservation stuff. So, we knew going into Magic Kingdom that we were probably in pretty good shape crowd-wise. What we didn't expect is what we actually ran into, which was at Park Open, and we took the bus there. So the bus system is supposed to run roughly a half hour prior to Park Open. We got on the first bus that got to our resort at about quarter after eight. So we had 45 minutes to get to the park before open. There were only seven or nine of us on the bus it was only two groups it was us and another group basically and um got to magic kingdom really fast got off the bus went through the temperature stations magic kingdom has multiple temp temperature stations so it's not like they're trying to filter everybody into one the bus terminal had three temperature stations on its own I know that the walkway from the Contemporary had a temperature station. I don't know how many temperature stations were on the monorail side, um, but they had their own as well. So you get off the bus, and basically the temperature station is right at the end of the terminal. So you're not walking this big, long distance from the buses to the temperature station before you get your temperature read. Temperature screening, very easy went through to the new style baggage claims and the, our baggage security. And this is across the board at all the parks now and at Disney Springs um, that you walk through these um, electronic scanning devices, which is really cool. Um, things that you need to take out of your bags, water bottles, especially metal ones, umbrellas, and uh, aerosol sunscreen canisters were the things that they said, hey, these are going to set off the alarms. Um, I had my full camera bag on me. They let me walk through and I set off the alarm every time. And that was a pretty easy pull the one flap up, 
show them that, hey, this is my camera bag, and I was good to go. Um, our other big bag that we take to the park, so we do travel with two kids. The other big bag that we take to the park that has all that stuff in it, um, it set off the alarm the first park, but didn't set it off at the other two parks we went to. So um, it, the scanners are a little bit different from park to park because we had the same stuff in the bag each time. But, you know, it, it really speeds up the process. And talking to the security guards, they're really happy with what it's doing. Um, because it, it lets them get away from a lot of those small bags and purses that they don't necessarily um, get the look down in real well. And they're really kind of grabbing and poking and that kind of thing. Um, it really isolates the bigger bags and lets them open them up and see what's in them. So... Uh, it's good, good there. And I think as crowds get bigger, that's really going to come into a really nice thing. Cause it's really going to help the crowd flow through, uh, scanning magic band to get in no finger scan. So easy there got into the parks, um, got into magic kingdom early, um, probably 20 minutes before park open. We walked down Main Street. Well, we didn't even walk down Main Street first. We stopped in Town Square and took pictures because there was nobody there. Um, so we took pictures around the park bench. We did a lot of different things getting ourselves um, to the Starbucks, basically, because that's where we had breakfast. And it wasn't a big deal. I mean, it was it was actually really, really nice um, with, without the crowds. Now, we did notice... After breakfast, there was a little bit of a crowd, and let me see if I can get a video up here to show you guys kind of what the crowd looked like after breakfast. So this is basically what the crowd looked like after breakfast, and it wasn't, it really wasn't bad. Um... Everybody was kind of heading back towards the castle hub, but not a lot of not a lot of things going on. And unfortunately, this video isn't playing through, and I don't know if it's in my the software or what's going on. But I actually pan to the left, and we walk down that pathway in front of Casey's and Crystal Palace, and there is nobody there. We ran into three cast members coming the other direction. And those were the only people that we hit on that path before we got back to basically the entrance to Adventureland. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't bad at all um, in the morning. And what's funny is after, after breakfast, it was actually really, really dead in the park. To the point where the only ride that really had a weight once we started riding rides was Seven Dwarfs. Um, everything else was basically a five-minute wait or a ten-minute wait. But the rides that we encountered that had ten-minute waits were basically the next group on. It wasn't just a walk-on. We weren't walking down to the loading area. We had to wait one group before we could load. So um, we started out. In Adventureland, worked our way all the way around the park, other than a little bit of a lightning delay. Rode every ride, except for um, we don't do the treehouse, we didn't do the island, and we didn't do the riverboat. So, 
And we rode uh, Seven Dwarfs three times and just, we, we did a lot of different things. We rode Dumbo, they didn't even make us get off. Um, we, we rode it back to back and they didn't even get, make us get off. So really, really cool there. Um, so again, it is, if you're going during the week right now, the crowds are under 20%, um, because the park passes the, for the reservation system aren't all gone. And I think they're only going out to about 25%. I heard numbers, everything from 17% to 25% on what's actually going on at the parks right now, capacity-wise. So, second day we went to Hollywood Studios. That was on a Friday, and that was a full-capacity park pass day, um, which was interesting. I was I was really interested to see what that looked like. We ate at Topolino's before we went to the park, um, got on the Skyliner from Riviera, and we did run into a little bit of a backup getting onto the Skyliner at our resort and getting on the Skyliner when you have to do the transfer over at Caribbean Beach. Um, but with the Skyliners running relatively um, consistent, the backup wasn't bad. And actually, they were running two separate lines in um, the Caribbean Beach side so that they were loading um, not necessarily quicker, but... They were keeping that line from stretching all the way back up into that commons area. So doing a good job of maintaining the crowd control there. Got to Hollywood Studios right about open a little bit before because um, we were actually in the park at open. The Hollywood Studios temperature check for the buses and the Skyliner, it's one tent right at the end of the walkway before you get to the security um, gate. That backed up pretty bad. Um, when we got off the Skyliner, if you're familiar with the area, we actually had to go backwards towards the bus line, the bus uh, stations, before we got in line. The line did move relatively quick, but it was a big pinch point because you, if you think about it, you've got... The bus, the bus people coming in, you've got the Skyliner people coming off, and then you had the line going the other direction. So it was relatively congested there. Um, it was the only little scuffle that I got in at Disney this trip, um, which was good. Some, we had a couple of people that decided that they were more important than us in line and wanted to uh, cut the whole line to get into the parks faster. But um, other than that, no big scuffles. Um, got through security. Good. The one thing that I would like to see change there is all the security gates that were open were right together. Now, I know that makes it easier if they have some something where a supervisor is needed or something like that. But with the actual control of the lines... It made it really congested, and then once you got through security, you had that crossover of people trying to get to the gate that had the lowest line to get in the park. Um, so, you know, if they could open up, you know, every other station or every couple stations, just to keep that flow of traffic a little bit more consistent straight into the ticketing gates, um, I think it would kind of take away some of that crisscrossing that you see and just kind of 
let people filter to the right early instead of having to do it after they go through security. So we got through security, got into the park. Um, our goal was to ride runaway railway first. Um, we got in the park, the line was already closed for runaway railway. And that was probably 9.55-ish. Um, and they closed the line so that it doesn't get way out into the middle of the commons area there. I mean, they could, on a normal day, no COVID, anything like that with full capacity, they could put the posts out and they can run, they can snake that line all out in that square. And it's no big deal. But with the situation that they have right now, they cap the line and they cap it at about 65 minutes of wait. Which is, I think it's a good number. So we bypassed that line. We were actually able to get our, um, we were able to get our Rise of Resistance boarding group. We just kind of sat on a rail and got that. And then we went over to Toy Story Land. Toy Story Land was, um, Slinky Dog Dash was busy and then everything else wasn't. So... It, it was nice. So we did um, Midway Mania, we did Swirling Saucers, and then by the time we got back to Slinky Dog Dash, it's at a 25-minute wait, and I think it might have been 10 or 15 minutes, honestly. So it wasn't bad at all. Um, then we went into Galaxy's Edge. We uh, rode Smuggler's Run over in Galaxy's Edge, and then went and did... Um, Muppet 3D before we did lunch at Pizza Rizzo. And um, I had always heard bad things about Pizza Rizzo. It was not terrible. I, I It was a pretty good... Um, it was a pretty good lunch for the price, I guess. I mean, you you do on your... On your... Um, what would be considered like counter service meals. You do do mobile ordering and they've opened it up to accept more methods of payment. Now it just isn't a credit card. You can actually use gift cards on it now as well. Um, and you do your order before you get there. It'll, you'll get a screen that says your order's ready. It gives you what number lane to go to. You go to that lane, you get a table and you sit down and you eat. Um, so the counter services were pretty easy and um it was pretty easy to find tables as well um usually you you might have to do like one scan through the area because uh, about 50 percent of the tables are marked off for social distancing but past that it wasn't it wasn't too bad um so after after lunch um we were kind of watching rise of the resistance all morning because it had gone down at some point and we had watched our estimated wait time kind of fluctuate between 145 minutes and 115 minutes and kind of go back and forth a little bit. So um, when we got done with lunch, it was actually down to about a half hour, I think. So we went and rode Star Tours and then walked back. And when we walked back, our boarding group had just been called. So we scanned our bands and went in that line. Um Rise of the Resistance is a must-do attraction. It is far and away the coolest ride I've ever been on. Um, and, you know, I think that takes the cake from Back to the Future when I would have been 
13 years old. Um, so, you know, this, as far as the overall experience of that ride, it is absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, I, I, I can't get over it. I, I go back and I watch the video and I'm just like, some of the things that they did were just so cool and so unexpected. Um, the scale of some of the rooms that you go into is unbelievable. It just, it's such a cool ride. Um, so if you, if, if you get a chance to ride it, go ride it. If you're not, not one of those people that doesn't want to see it before you ride it, go somewhere and see a video on this ride. It is unbelievable. Um, and then we went back into the middle of Batu to the Falcon and there was nobody there. Um, now, Grant, it was the middle of the day. It was hot, uh, but there was nobody there. And I thought it was absolutely crazy. Um, so we're sitting there and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to let this this moment kind of go to waste. So I got out. I got out my GoPro and started taking some video around uh, around the Millennium Falcon with no nobody else there. We actually have pictures of the kids, and we spent quite a bit of time there because we actually hid back in that little shaded area and had had nothing around us for a long time. But I mean, just to, just to show you guys kind of what I'm talking about. Let's see if this will load up for me. My video player seems to be having um, some chaotic issues. Here we go. So yeah, there's one person here. There's a couple people coming out in and out of Smuggler's Run. But there's nobody here. Let's see if I can get the other one to play real quick. Because it starts out over on the other side. And there's just, there's just nobody there. It's crazy how few people were around that area while we were there. So it was really, really cool. Um... So we, we hung out, we hung out back there for a while and then, um, what kind of monitored runaway railway went back into toy story land, did some of the toy story rides again, went back into the back and did rock and roller coaster and tower terror. And then, you know, after we got kind of like a snack dinner, um, we ended up eating at that Starbucks just getting, you know, a couple of drinks and, you know, like a, a light dessert or something. The line for Runaway was about 30 minutes. So we, we ended up jumping in that line. It took us about 15 minutes to get through. We rode that. And we were like, eh, let's just do it again. So we got right back in line, did it again. And we still had you know, maybe an hour before the park closed. So we walked back and rode Slinky Dog again and rode Slinky Dog 
another time after that because we wrote we just went did it back to back and then we went and did smugglers run again and that was the end of our day and i mean it was just kind of we never really ran anywhere but it was just we were constantly every time that we got to a ride i mean it was just kind of there wasn't much weight i mean i don't think we ever waited for midway mania i think we walked on every time that we rode it um and that was at uh, that was a full capacity park day so that was that was as much as they were letting in right now and we walked on a lot of the rides that we rode so we went back to the hotel after that skyliner no problem um next day epcot doesn't open till 11 um it's a big deal so parks open at 8 9 10 and 11 animal kingdom magic kingdom hollywood studios epcot um use that time in the morning on an epcot day to swim to explore um to go somewhere else and eat a breakfast you know especially somewhere that's on the skyline or over in that boardwalk beach club area um because you have some time in the morning i mean it was kind of crazy getting to a park at 11 o'clock now epcot stayed open till it's normal nine o'clock close but getting to it at 11 o'clock just felt weird um so we we ate breakfast um in the room actually we had brought down some donuts and ate them in the room and then we swam in one of the hotel pools not the not the nice themed one the other one is open earlier so we were able to swim in that and then uh got dressed and went to went to epcot epcot was dead but it epcot was where we caught most of the weather on our trip um so we were in test track when kind of the first line of thunderstorms came through and they kept kind of back building on each other so we we were in test track for quite a while but we figured hey you know we had already ridden um frozen ever after we already did our lunch because we got a few things from the food and wine festival up tents that are already up and we ate back there and that that's um one thing i do want to touch on so they they changed the mask rule kind of the day we were leaving so it didn't really affect us but we didn't really take advantage of what people were doing either um disney now if you are having to move your mask for food or water uh, food or drink they want you to be stationary off to the side out of people's way basically and not just walking and drinking and that kind of thing and trying to skirt the rules um it's 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 a good idea i mean it gets it gets stuff kind of out of gets people out of the middle it doesn't allow people to kind of just snack and walk and that kind of thing and and be distracted while they're walking as well but a lot of people kind of came back at disney and said oh but where are we going to find the tables there were tables everywhere back there there are so many tables set up there's more tables set up than i can ever remember for food and wine um so we had no problems finding a table and if you couldn't find a table there were all the ledges and benches and all that kind of stuff there's plenty of places to just pull over and take that sip of water or get a quick breath of air while you're faking a drink of water whatever you need to do so a lot 
a lot of the booths were already open, but we did notice that there are some booths that aren't open yet that had signs opening this fall. So it looks like there's going to be more booths as Disney maybe increases capacity. I don't know the plans yet. I guess it's kind of touch and go based on what happens around the parks. So I can I can understand that. Um, but we got caught in uh, test track during the storm. We ended up waiting out the storm and rode test track. And then we were going to ride it again, but another storm came through. Um, and instead of staying in there, we left. Now, one thing on rides closing, and I think this is the biggest thing that Disney needs to work on as more people come to the park. If a ride is to close, how do you safely get people out of that queue line? And I almost think you just empty the queue. Just empty it backwards. Um, Because... A lot of people were kind of squeezing and pushing through. And if you know what the front of test track looks like, there's not a lot of space up there. Um, So if you're going against the flow, you're knocking shoulders and rubbing up against people as you're getting out of that. Now, once you get into the main, like where that the car design area is and that kind of stuff, it's, it's open. So you can kind of get past people a little bit easier there. But then you get up into the kind of the last shoot before you get to the loading area, and that's tight again. So they've got to come up with a good way to get people safely out of lines that don't want to wait. That was, I think, my concern. And then I saw a couple other people another day say something about that. That that, that was probably the biggest issue, if you want to use issue as a word here, that they had with the way that Disney was handling things. Transportation's fantastic. Everything's very well socially distanced in that. Um, the busing system, only I, I think it can only hold uh, 4, 8, 12, maybe 20 people. Um, it's, it's not a lot. And you all sit down, so no standing on the buses right now. And all the areas are kind of zoned off. So you get on the bus and you're given a zone for your party to sit in. And it's uh, 1 through 5, I believe. 1 through 5 or 1 through 6. Because I know the back row is its own zone as well. So, um, transportation was done really well. Uh, Then, you know, the dining. The dining is... is, I, I... I don't know what to make of the dining right now because all of the restaurants that we went to, so um, as far as actual sit-down meals, we went to Beaches and Cream, we went to Tony's Town Square, we went to Tudo Italia, we went to Topolino's, we went to Trattoria Al Forno, uh, and to T-Rex over in Disney Springs. Um, Beaches and Cream was at capacity the whole time we were there, so... If a table was open that people could sit at, people were at it. If the table was closed for social distancing, they never added people to those tables. Um, but if a, if a table was open for seating, it was sat the whole time we were there. Um, and that would have been an hour before we actually sat down to eat through, you know, 10-ish, I guess. So from 8.30, 7, 8 to 10-ish, 
it was completely packed. Um, all the other restaurants except for T-Rex were completely empty. Uh, Trattoria started to fill up a little bit. I might, I think there might've been six tables. Uh, Tudo Italia, only five or six tables in the whole place. Tony's Town Square, maybe three or four tables sat the whole time we were there. And it's not like we were trying to go at non-traditional times to miss crowds. We were eating between four and six everywhere. And it was no crowds anywhere. So, you know, take that, take that for what you will. But it was, it was interesting to see how many people weren't dining in the restaurants. Now, as far as the quick services went, the counter services, a lot of people were there. Uh, we saw a lot of people at uh, Pinocchio House. We saw a lot of people at Pizza Rizzo. The Starbucks um, had modest lines, not not really long lines. They they were acceptable um, lines. They I don't even think the one at Magic Kingdom was out the door when we got there. Um, and it's all socially distanced, and they've got somebody in there, you know, kind of watching the lines and everything like that. But past that, you know, everything went really well. Now our our flight out, we did get a Magical Express bus to leave you know, since, you know, that's the sad trip to back to the airport. Um, Orlando leaving, we were leaving at a relatively traditional time. It was pretty busy. Um, and mass compliance there was good, but not great. Um, you know, we saw a few people just blatantly walking around with no masks. We saw a lot of people with them down with their noses not covered. So there it was what it was. Our flight back was about as full as it could be with leaving the middle, the, the middle seats open on both sides. So it wasn't getting back. I think those are the wild cards when, when you're planning a trip right now. Um, first is travel. If you can drive, drive, um, again, that's going to be the safest way, especially if it's a one tank trip, um, for you guys drive because you, you're not going to have the interactions of gas stations, hotels, restaurants, that kind of stuff. If, if on, on a trip, um, flying, it all depends on the airline. So I know that Allegiant is booking full planes right now. Southwest is leaving the middle row open. Um, and it, it really depends on who you fly with and where you're flying from. Because, you know, would I have flown out of a Chicago or a JFK or an LAX? Hell no. Not a chance. But knowing that I'm in a smaller airport, you know, I, I felt like that was a risk worth taking. Especially seeing that day of and the week leading up to, there were still some of the lowest price tickets in Southwest Pool still available so to me that says hey this flight isn't anywhere near capacity um you know the flight back like i said other than it being to capacity as what southwest is doing right now it wasn't it wasn't bad but that's the that's the first wild card the second wild card is the ride closures um if you're okay with just you know sitting there and, and, and hanging out. And if you're in a big space, um, I think it's fine. But in some of these lines, since they have the plexiglass up and a, a lot of it's up like the upper body portion so that, you know, head to head has plexiglass against it. 
uh, if you're in those areas, you know, you really can't sit down because you take away the effectiveness of the plexiglass and why it's put there. Um, and a lot of those areas are really, really tight because those are in those tighter queues where they installed this plexiglass. So that becomes a big, a big issue there. So, you know, I think those are the two things that if you're, if you're planning a trip, you know, that's what you're going to need to, need to look out for. Now, going forward, I think there's some things that Disney needs to, needs to think about. So going forward, I think Disney, here, here are the things that you need to think about. First off is the bus system. Right now, you're only carrying, let's say, 20 passengers per bus. Now, if you've been to Disney before, you know how many people they put on those stinking buses. Even if you were to double the capacity. So let's just say... 50%. Are you at a place where you can efficiently run the bus system to where people aren't having half hour, 45 minute waits for buses at the resort hotels to get to parks or to get to Disney Springs? I heard a lot of grumblings, especially about Pop Century, people having to wait multiple buses to get places because they weren't running full capacity and they weren't running a lot of buses to Pop Century. So are you able to handle that much more capacity? And especially as you open up an Art of Animation, a Caribbean Beach, and some of these other resorts here in the near future, you know, obviously capacity is going to go up. How do you handle those people? The other thing you need to look at is that the temperature check to um, magic band scan flow. I almost think that it would be better if you have created lines to where if you come through this temperature check, you should go through these security checks to these ticketing booths. Now, once you, you know, if you're not in a huge rush, I think there's a the ability to allow some float and you can pull those lines up like you would with the parade lines. But I think at the beginning, especially, you know, that half hour before park open to maybe an hour after park open, create little shoots for people to stay in. That way you don't have a lot of crossing over of people. You know, everybody wants to get into the park first. Everybody wants to get into the park the quickest, but right now, there's nobody in the park, so it's not a big deal. You don't have to rope drop. There is no rope drop right now. You go in, you kind of get in a queue line, you wait for the ride to start running. But I think from the temperature scanning places to the the ticket scan needs some work. And then also, you know you're going to have to add more temperature scanning people. If you're gonna if you're gonna add more capacity now maybe not on the monorail and maybe not on the skyliner but definitely on the buses those bus systems are gonna bring in more people you've got to have more in place to handle that capacity but other than that I think things are going really well everything that we did worked really well um, I don't think I had any technology issues while I was at 
at the park, at the resort, anything like that. Everything that should work did work. Now, granted, um, the boards in each station, bus station at the resorts don't show times right now. I don't know if the buses aren't hooked up or if they're just running them in loops or whatever, whatever, because I tended to see the same buses in the same resorts. Like we had a, a Cinderella bus that made it to the, our resort multiple times that was our Magic Kingdom bus. I'm wondering if they're just looping buses right now. So bus would go from resort to park, back to the resort, to park, back to the resort um, throughout the day. Maybe not at open and closed, but definitely throughout the day. So, you know, just things to to think about. I think that bus system is going to be interesting as the capacity gets a little bit more. Florida needs to get their stuff together before Disney starts saying, hey, let's double the capacity and bring, you know, 50,000 people into Orlando instead of 25,000. But whatever. Um... But if you guys have any questions, definitely let us know. Um, really, we didn't do Animal Kingdom. I haven't heard a whole lot of bad about Animal Kingdom other than um, it doesn't have a lot of rides. And if it does have a storm, there's nothing to do. But yeah, that's Animal Kingdom. I think that's the chance you take when you go to Animal Kingdom. Is Even, even if it's running with all the attractions, you're going to go into some shows. But that's about... It. You got two shows that you can get out of the rain in, but if it rains at Animal Kingdom, you're kind of stuck there, and that's that's the big thing. Oh, the other the other thing, and I, I think this is pretty interesting here. Um, change the park reservation system. Now, hear me out. People don't like the park reservation system, but I think this this might be pretty interesting for especially annual pass holders. Um, have a full day park pass. Okay. So just like you have right now, perfectly fine. I'm, I'm okay with that because my family, we like to spend full days in the parks. Not everybody does. So do a morning and an afternoon park pass. That would be one park pass. So an annual pass holder essentially could pick a park to be in at the morning and then a park that they couldn't enter until noon or one o'clock or whatever um for the afternoon and that would give the ability to park hop but that would still give disney the ability to kind of monitor capacity as well um just an idea you know who knows what's coming down the the pipe with disney and everything that's going on with covid right now but you know, just something, just something that I, I, I thought about and I was like, hey, you know, on the way back, my wife and I were talking about it and we we're like, hey, this, this could be a pretty cool idea. Um, so, you know, all in all, our trip went unbelievably well, um, other than a little bit of anxiety prior to going, I, I think, um, the, the trip went better than we could have expected uh capacity right now does allow you to ride just about anything you want whenever you want um as long as you stay away from you know the biggest ride in each park first thing in the morning you can usually loop back to it later in the day and and ride it with no problems as long as it doesn't go down for a majority of the day where everybody's kind of trying to get it while it's open 
but yeah, dining, dining was easy. Everything just, it, it, it just, it, it was easy. It was just, it was a different experience. Um, and it's something that, you know, I, I think begs to, to ask, you know, even if they doubled capacity, would you be willing to pay double the price to have half the people there? I mean, in essence, that's what you're doing with a not so scary ticket anyway, you know, could that be something that Disney does as, you know, an upgrade or something like that, to where they have half capacity days or, you know, lower capacity days that you can pay a higher ticket price for to get into? Who knows? Um, but thanks for hanging out with me tonight. Things that are coming up. Basically, we have video of all the rides in the three parks that we visited. So... Um, we've got video from all the rides at Magic Kingdom, all the rides at Hollywood Studios, and everything at, um, Epcot. So watch for point of view videos in 4K60 on those, um, as soon as I can do a 4K60 intro. I'm also going to do a dining plan comparison, because dining plans are gone right now, and we ate in a very interesting fashion for our family, so I'm going to do a dining plan comparison video, kind of laying out what we spent on food um, on this trip and what it would have cost in different dining plans and if it would have made sense to use different dining plans for this trip, especially the quick service and the Disney dining plan and, you know, maybe the Disney dining plus plan because we could have knocked out some of those, those uh, sit downs with that as well. So... You know, watch for that over the next couple of weeks as as I get all my data together for that. Peter will be back on. Um, I know that he's got things that he's getting ready for school right now, but we should be, you know, in the studio here soon, putting some new podcasts together, getting back on track with the park overviews and everything that's going on. We've kind of backed off of that with all the changes that happened, so we're we're kind of chomping at the bit to get going with that stuff again. Uh, Riviera review, and then we're going to start what's going to be um, the DPI points of view, where we really break down rides as far as where we think they rank within the fast pass spectrum and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, a lot of, lot of cool things coming with uh, DPI and Princesses in the Mouse, um, Peter's travel company. So if you do have any questions, if you do want to book a trip, reach out to one of us. I am Matt with the DPI podcast, and then Peter is with Princesses in the Mouse Disney Travel. Um, again, thank you guys for watching tonight, and you all have a good night.